0: Welcome to TIFF Talk, sponsored by Endogastric Solutions, a podcast that interviews physicians and real-life patients about the most common gastrointestinal disorder, GERD, commonly known as chronic acid reflux. Listen to patients and physicians interact, break down the disease from different perspectives, and learn how taking the next step in your treatment can change your life. For our audio listeners, you can see visuals on our YouTube channel, at GERD Help. The TIF procedure may or may not be appropriate for your health condition. Only your doctor can explain the benefits and risks of all treatment options. Results may vary. Visit GERDhelp.com for more clinical data. The TIF procedure for reflux was developed by Endogastric Solutions Incorporated.
1: Welcome everybody to our TIFF Talk Tuesday. I'm Andrea Millers and I'm with Endogastric Solutions. We're very happy to have you here today and we're very excited about our special guests that we have. Um, First off, I'd like to introduce Dr. William Barnes. Dr. Barnes is the Chief of Surgery and Trauma Director for Livingston Hospital and Healthcare Services in Salem, Kentucky. He's a board certified uh, physician and a member and fellow of the American College of Surgeons and also a member of the Kentucky Medical Association uh, Southern Medical Association as well and a member and fellow of the Southeastern Surgical Congress. He's also a member of SAGES. Uh, He's performed listen to this almost over 800 TIF procedures since 2008, and we're very, very excited to have you here today. Dr. Barnes, welcome to our TIFF Talk. Thank you very much, thank you. You're you're welcome. Uh, We're also excited to have two of his patients here with us today. Uh, We have Savannah Jones. Savannah actually is a nurse at the hospital where Dr. Barnes operates, um, and she's had her TIFF procedure for almost three years. Uh, Welcome Savannah and thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And last but not least, uh, we have Kim Preston. Uh, She uh, is also a nurse uh, or has been a nurse for the last 30 years. Um, She's in the industry, uh, medical industry, and she actually worked for seven years at a heartburn treatment center um, as a coordinator there. So a lot of experience treating and understanding uh, GERD and heartburn. And she just recently had her TIF just eight weeks ago, right?
2: <laughs> yes,
1: thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being with us today. So this is a very special uh, TIF talk today. Um, I know that a lot of you that are watching love to be able to ask questions to Dr. Barnes or whoever the physician guest is. So um, in addition to that, if you have any questions for our patient guests, please feel free to ask your questions in the chat box um, during this live event, and we will do our best to answer all of the questions for you guys today. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. Um, Again, thank you for being here. And Dr. Barnes, let's go ahead and start off talking a little bit more about GERD and acid reflux. Can you please tell us a little bit um, and, and do an explanation? I think you have a whiteboard there, so I'm not sure if you want to get up right now and I do. Um, head to the whiteboard and kind of give us an explanation of what is GERD um, and acid reflux.
3: So if you all can see me, Yes. Um, Acid reflux is, you know, of course, very common, as you know, and uh, it's pretty straightforward. If and this is what I tell all my patients when they come in. If I draw this really for them on a piece of paper, it makes it very clear for them. And so, acid reflux is a condition where the material in your stomach rolls up into your esophagus. So normally. When the Lord made us, he uh, made a esophagus. That's what that's supposed to be. <laughs> and then this would here would be your your stomach. If you've ever seen the um, GERD video, this is about what it shows. Here's the diaphragm. And we would all have reflux because the Lord put a negative pressure in our chest in order to make this lung expand. Every time the chest expands and the diaphragm falls, the lung expands, the air goes into the lung, and then when it contracts, it goes out. And so if I stick a needle in your chest, you'll actually hear the air go in there. It's a negative pressure. The air, the lung collapses, and you'll have a sucking chest wound. and You'll actually hear the air doing that. By sticking in your belly, it's still negative, but it's so much less negative that it's almost—it's negative, but it's so much less negative. It's almost a positive gradient, so everything would have a tendency to go up, but it doesn't because the size of this defect in the diaphragm that the Lord made the diaphragm is like a parachute, a big muscle that goes up and down in the chest. And the only connection to the abdomen between these two cavities is around that, that defect. And so he made a certain size for around the esophagus, that size. He made a distance between the diaphragm and the stomach. He made a particular angle here, which is called the angle of hiss. And he put a valve. All those complicated mechanisms are what prevents us from having reflux. And people that have reflux, the problem is usually related to this junction sliding up and down into the chest. (coughs) If you can imagine me drawing this little business here, this would be in your stomach now. And this diaphragm, this hole being bigger, and so this junction, which is now, up and down your vocal cords that are up on the top there, and then when the material goes through it, it goes down into your lungs and you can drown, you can get aspiration, you can get pneumonia. And so that is typically how I explain this to the patients. And when I'm talking about this, most of them have had those symptoms. They can feel that happening. And when that does occur, occasionally, these cells here, these cells here are are squamous cells. These cells here are columnar cells. And so when this chronic reflux happens, these cells don't like it. They're not made for it. And so they mutate. There's a high cell turnover right here. And they mutate. And when they mutate, they try to become stomach cells, but they're abnormal. And we call those Barrett's esophagus. Now, Barrett's is a pre-cancer condition. Now, not everybody with Barrett's gets cancer, but everybody in the world that ever had adenocarcinoma in the esophagus, 100% of them ever in the world had Barrett's esophagus. And 100% of them have reflux. So we think that reflux causes that. And as a matter of fact, the original operation done by Dr. Nissen back in the 50s was to try to treat that Barrett's esophagus. And we found with time that, that once those cells mutate, they don't change back. They, they stay and become, uh, gone to if you live long enough, to become cancer of the esophagus. And so cancer of the esophagus is a miserable condition that people... Live a miserable life, even even the treatment for it is miserable. So it's much better to try to correct all that before that happens. Believe me, it's it's it's, a, it's a much better. Once once you've corrected the reflux, we think that it, it doesn't occur. So Fantastic. I think that's really about the explanation yeah. of that. That's great, Dr. Okay. Barnes.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. You're if welcome. you want to c- come back, um, as you're coming back, we'll kind of hear a little bit more from savannah and kim could tell you see a little that, bit yeah yep yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so savannah can you tell us a little bit more tell us a little bit more about your story you had the TIF procedure almost three years ago um tell us kind of what types of symptoms that you were feeling um and and before you had the tiff procedure
4: well some of the symptoms i had was nausea and vomiting all day every day all day every day um, I was weak and I just felt drained and I just couldn't go out and do anything because I was so sick all the time.
1: So were you sick? Uh, did you have other symptoms aside from feeling sick? Did you actually have that heartburn feeling or you would just get sick after you eat certain foods?
4: I would have the heartburn feeling pretty much all day long and anytime I ate I would end up, I would end up getting sick.
1: Okay. And were you taking any medication to help you with your um, reflux or acid reflux?
4: Yes, I was taking lots of medicine. I was taking about 10 to 12 pills a day. And then on top of that, Tums, just to help control it during the day.
1: Wow. And how long have you been suffering from GERD?
4: Well, since I was born, I have been suffering with acid reflux. And so it just over the years, it got worse and worse. And finally, I just couldn't handle it any longer.
1: Okay, and you actually work uh, there with Dr. Barnes, and, and your mother does too, and she she knew about the TIF procedure, and so when you actually turned 18, you already knew that that's what you wanted to do, is that right?
4: Yes, yeah, she's actually been with Dr. Barnes the entire time he's been doing it, so she's seen it all and could probably do the surgery in her sleep. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. Uh, Kim, so tell us more about your story. It's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, Tell us what kind of symptoms were you feeling? How long have you been suffering with GERD? Um, Was it the typical symptoms
2: that you felt? Uh, Yes, just the the common symptoms like acid reflux and heartburn. Um, I've suffered with that for many, many years. Um, I can remember when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I had such severe acid reflux that I would actually get a bottle of Maalox or Mylanta, get it cold in the refrigerator and set it at my bedside at night. Um, Another symptom that I had was, um, I could drink something really cold, like um, a shake or a smoothie, I noticed one day I took a deep breath and I could actually feel the smoothie come up all the way back up into my. Leg. That scared me a little bit. Um, I was also having like chest pain. Uh, the chest pain that I had really concerned me. When you have um, GERD, you sometimes you can expect to have chest pain if you have a uh, esophageal spasm. Uh, mm-hmm for me was my chest pain actually radiated to uh, my left arm and as a nurse you know that could potentially be cardiac and one of the follow-up appointments I had with Dr. Barnes I mentioned that um, I told him that you know previous to having surgery I was having chest pain and shortness of breath and he told me that over half of my stomach was in my chest and it could possibly be competing, like, in the same space, so, yeah, so after, after surgery, I've not had any of those symptoms. Wow, wow,
1: and you're, and you're eight weeks out, correct, since your surgery, okay, fantastic, uh, thank you for sharing that. We'll we'll ask you more questions about your journey, but um, Dr. Uh, Barnes, maybe you can kind of talk a little bit more about about what are the different options, or what do you typically uh, recommend for patients that are suffering from GERD even before um, even before surgery or the proceed the TIF procedure. What types of things? Are there lifestyle mo- modifications? Are there activities that they should minimize? What are your thoughts?
3: Do you mind if I go back to my board? Would that be oh, okay? Sure. <laughs> we got visual so, aids today. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky, aren't we? So, yes. you know, normally uh, the, f- the first thing that we try to do, because you can see it's a defect here with things sliding up and down in here. Your- Chest, so we try to tell you to go to bed on an empty stomach, so that this food doesn't roll up into your chest at night. We uh, we ask you to to raise the head of your bed, so gravity will pull these things down. And the bed has to be the bed has to be not in a straight line; it can't be bent like you would with a chair. It has to be in a straight line, and that gravity then will keep the food down in the stomach. So we try to do that, and if you try we also ask you to take a what's called a ppi which is a proton pump inhibitor proton pump inhibitor and those things can this will stop the acid in your stomach so there'll be no acid reflux now you still reflux bile and you still reflux uh, debris and so the risks of barrett's actually doesn't change or may even go up but there's no other pill that we can give for that so that stops the acid, and it stops the pain and discomfort, and so we try to do that for for a, a reasonable amount of time. And if we do that, you know people that have reflux, some of them have it very light, some of them have it very heavy, some of them are here in the middle mm-hmm. and so if you if you all do this, raise the head of your bed, go to bed an empty stomach, take the P p i that shifts the curve this way slightly so that it might be like this now instead of half the median being there the median may be here and so these get better these get better but they they don't the ones that are severe still are in danger of aspiration pneumonia and all those things even though we've changed the 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 physiology of what's going on and you can actually even also go to the chiropractor And the chiropractor can do a maneuver that actually pulls the stomach down into the abdomen, but it doesn't really stay there. It eventually goes back up Mm. into the chest. So that doesn't cure it in any way. And none of these things really cure it. If you can lose weight, you can take the medicine for a short period of time, uh, raise the head of your bed. You might be able to shift that, that, that curve and improve your symptoms. But most of the people that i see have been doing that for already for years and years and years and they don't get better and this medicine the ppi if you go to the store and you buy it and you look at the bottle it'll say don't take it for any more than 2 weeks if you go to the doctor they recommend us not keeping anybody on it for more than 2 months and most of the patients i see have been on it for, for like 10 years and this medicine is a pump inhibitor which means it inhibits the proton cells in the stomach from pumping out the proton hydrogen to connect with the chloride to make hydrochloric acid, which is the acid that people feel. Right. And well, that proton pump inhibitor affects every cell in your body. And the proton pumps in other cells have different functions. And the cells that line the blood vessels that go to your heart and your eyes Kidneys, your, your brain, those proton pumps pump the garbage out of the cell. And so when the garbage doesn't go out of the cell, it builds up in the cell and we, they die early. We call that early senescence. And so that, we think that may be the reason that there's so much higher incidence of Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, and kidney disease in people that are taking that PPI. And I have some of my patients that are referred to me by the nephrologist because they want to get their patients off that PPI because they're in real failure. And right. so, it is not a safe medication. Although you can buy it anywhere over the counter, and so that makes people think it's you know okay to take, but it's really not. Because not only does it do that, like I said, it takes the acid out of your stomach. That acid was put there for a multitude of reasons: absorption of calcium and minerals, and and and, and functions in your small intestine that now are not being done because there's no acid in there, and so. We think it may even be the cause of chronic fungal infections or it's small and there's a there's a new entity or an entity that's been out there for quite a while that we're just figuring out. It's called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think that may be the, the participant that starts it the, the PPI. Wow.
1: So, Wow. Well, thank you. I really, we really ap- appreciate that um, explanation. Uh, Savannah, I know you told me one time a story about having to put bricks under your bed uh, when you were suffering from uh, a GERD really bad. Uh, are there other things that you had to modify your diet? Were there certain things you couldn't eat or things that you remembered? I know it's been three years since you've had it, but were there things that you're like, oh my gosh, I had to do this because I just I can't live with this GERD.
4: Yes, I had actually two bricks under each side of the head of my bed, and it was raised up pretty high. And then I also, I wouldn't eat anything after 7 o'clock, so I could make sure my stomach was completely empty before I went to bed. I couldn't eat anything spicy, nothing with acid. I couldn't even drink orange juice and anything like that. And even sometimes water even bothered me. So I had. I just, I love pizza now and spaghetti because I can actually <laughs> eat the tomato sauce.
1: That's wonderful. Uh, and and Kim, what about you? Did you have, were there certain things that you had to modify as you were um, trying to work through and, and before you had the TIF procedure?
2: Um, I didn't elevate the head of my bed, but I did sleep on two pillows at night. And I did get a little bit of relief um, as Dr. Barnes was showing you the anatomy. It, I noticed that if I slip on my right side, I would have more reflux. And if I was to move over to my left side, I would have less reflux. Okay. I have it so bad at night that it would just take my breath away. That's crazy.
1: So let's talk about, well, you know what? We actually have a few questions that have popped up. If you don't mind, uh, Dr. Barnes, I'm going to, they look like they or some of them are. Um, We have a question from the audience. What diagnostic testing is required for the TIF procedure?
3: Well, typically what I do on everybody is first, uh, you know, talk to them and examine them to see if their symptoms really are reflux because sometimes people can be confused and think they're having reflux and it could be something else. So then I, I, you know, after I've done that and if I feel that that's their problem, then I would schedule them for a barium swallow. Which is an X-ray that you swallow barium and it shows the function of the esophagus. Then I I'm going to go back over to my painting here for a (laughs) minute.
1: You could just stay there if that's easier, Doctor Barnes.
3: (laughs) No, I like the movement actually. So anyway, (laughs) so then I then I do an I schedule them for an endoscopy, and uh, I look down there. You know, I can look at their vocal cords to see if I see inflammation there, and then I look esophagus and look for Barrett's esophagus because some of them have Barrett's. Then I come into the stomach and I biopsy the stomach for infection to make sure they don't have H. pylori. Then I look at the duodenum make sure they don't have an ulcer because sometimes the symptoms are very, very similar. Then I turn, take my scope and turn around and look back up at this hole here. I, I try to measure that hole. I do a maneuver called the CELIC maneuver, which is an anesthetic maneuver that anesthesia does on emergency cases so the patients don't vomit while they're putting them to sleep. And that maneuver is very simply putting pressure on the cricopharyngeal cartilage, first cartilage below the, the larynx, and putting it pressure straight back on the spine that holds the air in the esophagus. And so when we insufflate the stomach, while I'm back looking up at that, I can actually measure the exact diameter of that defect. And that'll tell me whether the patient can have a straight tiff, or has to have the repair of that diaphragm. And then uh, I put a special, at the same sitting, and same endoscopy, I put a, 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 a catheter in their esophagus and measure how well it functions to make sure they don't have a motility disturbance, which for the TIF isn't as important as it is for a Nissen. If you, a patient has a motility disturbance and you do a Nissen, it could be devastating for them. Whereas in the TIF, because it's not a 360 degree wrap, which we'll show later, it, you can you, you don't have it's not as worrisome. However, there is a, an entity called a collation that you cannot really see, that can only be measured by barium swallow and by manometric studies to prove that they have that. And that is a different, complete different operation that needs to be done. It, it a TIF can be done later, but it can't do it all at the same time. Can you all still hear me? Yes. We can hear you. So and that is you Number of reasons that that happens can cause from a virus, can cause from trauma, can be caused from diabetes. It can be caused from this hernia sliding up and down against that ridge of diaphragm. It can injure the nerves to the stomach, and it can injure the tiny, very friable nerves in the end of the esophagus. And when they get injured, that muscle won't relax, and food goes down and stays there. It won't go go anywhere else. And because those nerves cause the muscle to open and close when food gets there. So if it does never open, then food builds up in here and it it, it acts very similar to reflux. So it's very difficult to know that and you have to do that with it. So we do that at the same time. Then we put a capsule right here in the middle of the esophagus and it measures how much acid is actually coming up. When it hits the acid hits it, it sends signals out to a little box that we have the patients wear and they 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 take that home with them and wear it for two days, and then they send it back, and then we we download it on our computer, and we can actually see how well what their acid what their acid function is. And uh, that proves to us then we have all this information that this operation will help them. if it doesn't we don't have all that information, we don't want to do that kind of surgery on them. So we're very careful with that, and that's the kind of workup. And we do that all. At one sitting, it used to be we had to do each one in several times and it took months. Well, now we can do it all and get it done within a two week period of time. And by the time the patient comes and is evaluated within a couple of weeks, we know whether we can operate on them or not. And then we can schedule the surgery as, at the patient's convenience. So it's very, it's got technology has really helped us in this regard. Fantastic, thank you so savannah and
1: kim can you tell us a little bit about what you did i mean i know you have a little bit of an advantage because you guys are a both nurses right um and you were you're kind of in that space for gerd but where did you get your information to uh, make the decision of getting the tip or any decision on on moving forward um, i'll start with you savannah i mean i know you were just struggling so much. Um, did you what type of research did you do? Did you talk to just Dr. Barnes? Did you go on websites to um, get more information? Um, where did you get most of your information from?
4: Well, working at the hospital where he does the procedure, I talked to a lot of actual patients that had had the procedure trying to make up my mind. And I also talked to Dr. Barnes and I went to GERDhelp.com website and read anything I could and I just google on the internet tip procedure and see what popped up before I made my decision.
2: Okay fantastic how about you Kim? Uh, Well that was actually my area of expertise because I was the nurse coordinator of a heartburn treatment center so I, I knew all about it. I knew about the workup and actually I've been through the workup Um, I had the esophageal motility, which showed that I I do have a motility issue. Um, I had the 48 hour Bravo PH study where I I wore the recorder home and it actually came back very, very positive. And, you know, I'm just aware of uh, GERD and what it can do, you know, the side effects. Sure. Sure, thank you.
1: So let's get to it, Dr. Barnes. Why don't you tell us a little bit, before you go into the TIF, can you talk a little bit more about what are the different treatment options for
3: GERD today? Sure. sure. There's, uh, besides medical treatment, which is, you know, keeping the head of your bed elevated, there the really is a surgical problem. I mean, it, it is most of the time an anatomic defect. The loss of that angle of hiss that we talked about, it's a loss of the valve. It's, it's, it's the dysfunction of the diaphragm or the stomach uh, coming. against that negative pressure pulls that up there. So all these other forms of non-surgical treatment can help some of the people if they have mild disease. But for the most part, it is going to end up with a surgical repair of some sort. In the 50s, uh, Dr. Nissen, because of the Barrett's esophagus was such a devastating problem, designed the Nissen fund application. And that worked very well as far as the reflux. It did not stop the uh, Barrett's. But everybody that has had that operation can never, even the, every patient he did, every patient I've done, every patient that, when it's done appropriately, it's done correctly, those patients cannot belt or vomit. Um, if they can, there's some dysfunction of the valve. So, they've, they've, something's happened that it's not working correctly. And so, those patients cannot belter vomit. And there's been several, because of that, it's a big problem. There have been many operations that have occurred to try to correct that. There was something called the belzy that was done through the chest. Well, that fell through the wayside because doing a thoracotomy on all those patients was so devastating that it didn't work out as well. And it didn't work as well functionally. And there's a thing called a Toupee operation, which is a 180 degree wrap, to try to prevent, allow the patients to still belch. There's an operation called a door fundoplication, which we use mostly for pay, different different indications, but it, neither of none of those ever worked near as well as the Nissen, and the Nissen worked, but the problem with the Nissen was that you couldn't belch or vomit, and if you put 100 patients that have had that operation in a room three years later and ask them after they've gone through their refluxes stopped and you put a hundred of them in a room and you ask them how they're doing. 30 of them will say they're doing great. 70 of them will come right out and say, I wish I'd never had this operation. I'm belching all the time. I can't belch. I can't vomit. And I'm farting all the time. I can't even go to church. I bend over to pick up my Bible and I, it's very embarrassing. So I'm (laughs) stuck in the house. And so, um, 70% 70% of them are very unhappy. Whereas you take 100 patients that have had the TIF and you put them in a room three years after they've had it, five years after they've had it, 10 years after they've had it, and you ask them how they're doing, then most of them will all say, yeah, I'm doing great, no problem, you know? And then you wait for somebody, anybody to say, you know, I wish I never had that operation. And nobody says it, zero, none. And so in no terms of that, I think it's a much better operation. And, I, and also, the f- failures are usually not related to the tiff, it's to the, the diaphragm, that hole in the diaphragm that we sew. And it isn't that the sutures break, it's that the muscle is tears because of some other trauma, lifting heavy objects inappropriately or getting in another car accident or some kind of thing. And so, I my personal opinion is that the Nissen causes more of that disruption than the Tiff. In my own observations, because patients are not having that retching, retching, retching that they can't vomit, and so, and that retching tears the diaphragm. So they don't. We don't see that as much. And in the last few years, trying to avoid the Nissen fundoplication, many different operations have come about. The Tiff was one of them, and it is a, mimics the Nissen in all anatomy and physiology and function and science. It fits it exactly what an does, but it doesn't have those long-term complications. There was at a time that they did, did an operation called the strata, where they put this balloon into the esophagus, it had electrical probes and they would hit it to, the, to an electricity and it would cause scarring with the idea that the scarring would pre- help prevent some of the reflux. Well, that's fallen out of the wayside Used very rarely now for other indications, but for reflux, generalized reflux, it's not effective. And there's also another operation out there that has been recently come called the Links, which is a set of magnets that goes around the esophagus that uh, is hooked to there, so that when a bolus of food goes through there, it opens up and then closes. And opens up and then closes, and uh, supposedly that's supposed to help it, but it doesn't follow the physiologic issues that I've seen, it's a foreign body. My my own personal opinion, after being a surgeon for 40 years is in the very beginning we put out, when we were doing this back in the 80s, another device was placed around the esophagus called the Ancholect Prosthesis. And many of them, surgeons my age, remember that and are very reluctant to put a foreign body around the esophagus because we've had to take out just about all of those that eroded into the esophagus or fell down into the pelvis or it was a devastating issue so we I, I don't really know that the answer for that one is out yet um studies are so far in the last few years look like it's promising but i don't think it compares to the TIF, in my opinion
1: Fantastic, thank you for sharing that with us. Why don't we go ahead and I you have a famous towel talk that um I think everybody that's watching will love to see. So I don't know if you're going to do it here or in front
3: of your um I'm going to go over there,
1: okay? Yeah, let's this is a great way of explaining what the TIF procedure is, and um, so we'll let him
3: do that. So uh, I hope you can see this. I mean, this you is. Yes. Okay, so back in the day when Dr. Nissen did this operation, his idea was to repair this angle of hiss, to bring it down below the diaphragm, and to make a new valve there. And that operation is this. If you can see this as being the esophagus and this being the stomach. Wendy, can you see that? Mm-hmm. So we had to do it open back then, but now we can do it laparoscopically. And we go through the into the abdomen around, dissect around the esophagus and pull it down below the diaphragm. If you can imagine that being the diaphragm, pull it down below the diaphragm, dissect the vessels off the lateral border of the esophagus, which their spleen is right there. And so there's some risk of injuring the spleen coming all the way around the esophagus to make it completely free. Then grabbing the stomach from below, pulling it around behind the esophagus and suturing it anterior, like that. And that then, sutures on the outside there, that recreates the angle of hiss, it recreates the distance below the diaphragm and recreates the valve. And so it's a 360 degree wrap, and that's why a patient, if it's done appropriately, We we try to make it loose, it's called a floppiness, and we know now not to make it too tight, we make it loose like that. And that, uh, you cannot belch, you cannot vomit, but you don't reflux any longer. And that sits underneath the diaphragm. And it causes dysphagia occasionally because we have to turn it and sew it anterior. And so you can see how it kind of twists the esophagus. And that sometimes gives some dysphagia. The TIF, on the other hand, if you can imagine this being the same situation. Now we might have to, if they have a big hole in that hernia, we have to repair it and sew it up so that it's the right size. We pull it down so that it's below the diaphragm and this is where the TIF important part would come in. recreates the angle of his, makes a new valve, it's below the diaphragm. So that's what the TIF plus operation would be. So if you can imagine that, And we've gone around that, pulled that down, so that's below the diaphragm. Then we come out, go down the mouth with the TIF device. Or in patients that don't require that operation, we just do the TIF part. And it has an attachment on the inside that pulls it below the diaphragm and then folds the stomach back up on the esophagus. And lo and behold, it looks just like the other operation. It has a functionally it measures the same, it works the same, it looks the same. Years later, when you look up from below, you can't tell the difference really, on many of the patients, whether they've had a tiff or a because it functions the same. And so we have the angle of hiss. It actually, in my opinion, is better than the nissin. It is the same distance, you have the valve, the sutures are on the inside instead of the outside. So it is the healing is different and it's much more robust. And I believe that it lasts longer, works better than the, the, the Nissen, which is why I do it. And then if you look at the front, it is not 360 degrees, it's 300 degrees. So it's open and patients can still belt and can still vomit. And it sits naturally and we don't have to rotate it anterior. It sits naturally in the stomach. So anatomically, surgically, all these things tell me that this, this works better. And, and my own personal experience is that it very, works very, very well. I have all these patients that come from all over the world, to have this done. And uh, they're very, 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 very happy. And it works extremely well. So that's the towel trick there.
1: I love it, Dr. Barnes. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So uh, let's talk a little bit to the to Savannah and Kim. Um, maybe you can tell us what made you choose the TIF procedure as your um, treatment choice, if you will. Savannah, you can go first.
4: Well, working with Dr. Barnes, he was always telling me about it, stopping me in the hallway, and because he's been with me my entire journey of having acid reflux, and so – doing lots of research and I did lots of research on other procedures and the TIF and I watched many of his towel videos and I was just I was ready to do something because I was tired of not getting to go out with friends and eat pizza or eat spaghetti because you know it's the easiest and quickest meal ever is ordering <laughs> a pizza
0: right,
4: and right I was just I would say I was wore out because I was only 18, but I was wore out from the acid reflux and the hurt it was putting on me and, you know, the side effects of all the PPIs. I was just scared of, you know, what the future would hold. So. Right.
1: Right. Thank you. And how about for you, Kim, what what made you decide to do? And, and I know you have a lot of extensive um, knowledge about it, but, but what, what actually made you decide that the TIF was the right procedure for you?
2: Um, Probably personally, um, where I had esophageal motility disorder, um, I was worried that I wouldn't have difficulty swallowing. Um, I know that the laparoscopic Nissen fundification would have cured my acid reflux and I I would have had good results. But I was really worried that I would have difficulty swallowing and the gas bloat syndrome that a lot of people complain about. And working with Dr. Barnes two or three years ago, he told me how successful um, and low risk was the TIF procedure, and you know, minimally invasive. So that was the route that I wanted to go with, and it's 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 done very well.
1: Fantastic. Now I understand that you did not taste, you were afraid of PPIs, especially because of all the information that you knew. Can you share that? Uh, share what you know, or Or what your thoughts were on it and why you didn't take PPIs as a treatment option?
2: Sure. Um, There's a lot of controversy. Uh, If you Google PPIs or if you read a lot of articles, you know some of the side effects. Potential side effects uh, can be like osteoporosis, Alzheimer's disease. It can affect your heart. Like Dr. Barnes said, it can affect your kidneys. Um, uh, Multiple side effects. So, I chose not to go that route. If, if I ever had to take anything, I felt comfortable taking Zantac. And as you know, just a few months ago, they actually took Zantac off the market. Um, right. I've also, um, uh, at night when I had really, really severe heartburn and reef, I would actually get a glass of water and put baking soda in it. Oh. And I was I was just concerned about the side effects and the long-term chronic use of PPIs or stomach medication. All right. All right.
1: Thank you. So um, tell us a little bit, Dr. Barnes, about the recovery process. Um, how long uh, can a patient expect to be in the hospital? How long does the actual procedure take? Um, and what can they expect after? And I know... Uh, maybe you want to touch a little bit about, um, you know, if they're having a combined procedure or hydrohernia repair and a TIF procedure versus just a TIF procedure and what the difference of that would be.
3: Well, really, um, the, the, typically the hospital stay is overnight. I mean, they, they come in and there's some of those patients that feel like it's sent home that day, but you know i have people coming from a long way away and i'm i'm reluctant to to send them that far away without making sure everything's good so i keep typically keep them overnight and they go home the next day the next morning they're usually on tylenol or maybe a small narcotic that i may give them for like 3 days maximum and then they 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 go home and uh the difference between the two procedures really the patient can't tell i mean the laparoscopy is so benign uh, as far as pain goes uh, it's technically you know demanding but the we use a long-term local anesthesia and it takes about three days for those those wounds to get back into feeling by that time they're 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 pretty well so really the patient doesn't know much difference between the two operations. I'm the one, I mean, I have to spend more time doing one more than the other, but um, typically they don't. And then they go home for, um, a- after a day or two, I, sometimes, I don't know, Kim, did I keep you more than one day? Did I keep you two days? Cause she lives like five hours away or something. Uh-huh. I can't remember. Did I keep you more than one night?
2: No, actually you wanted to keep me two nights, but when you come in at 7.30, I was already up and ready <laughs> to go home. Yeah.
3: If she if she you know if they look like they're just doing great I I will tell them that and then of course those I actually give those patients that live far away my cell number so that they can call me if there's a problem and and they never call me so I guess there's no problem so uh, then in about a week uh, they really get back to just you'll ask these girls how they were I mean they're really in a week or so they're back to doing what they were doing they just can't allow not allowed to lift anything over a gallon of milk for six weeks. They're on a spe- specific diet, not liquids, but baby food consistency okay. for six weeks. And after two weeks, well, we add a little more things to it. And then they, I don't allow them to lift, and I really don't like them to mow. A lot of people around here have these riding lawnmowers, and they, they're pretty rough with them and wild with them, so I don't like them doing that for, to, for till it's really healed. But they go on to their regular business, and after six weeks, they're really good and you know, they're really happy to see me and after you know, about a year, they're very, very happy and then they, they forget they ever had GERD and they forget all about me. <laughs> That's wonderful.
1: So maybe Savannah, tell us a little bit about how your uh, actual procedure went the day of and, and how do you feel today? I know you're uh, quite a couple years out um, from the TIF procedure. Um, how are you feeling today and how was it for you getting having the surgery, having the surgery?
4: On well, the day of the procedure, I was very nervous. I went in with the mindset that this was going to fix everything, and it it did. But I was very nervous, and you know, I stayed one night in the hospital. And I would say the diet is by far the hardest part, keeping the or the baby food consistency. You know, just think baby food, and you think nasty, but I drink lots of protein shakes. That's what kept me going. And now. Today, I feel amazing. I feel great. You know, it's canning season around here, and I can open up a jar of tomato juice and just drink it straight. Wow. So it is, I feel great, and I'm very thankful for it.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. That's great news. And how about for you, Kim? What, uh, how was your experience? I know you, I think you had mentioned you drove five and a half hours to see Dr. Barnes and have yeah. him do your procedure. Uh, Yeah, tell us your story.
2: Well, it was worth it. Actually, the week before, I had to drive five and a half hours to um, do pre-op and get a COVID test. Oh, that's So I actually made two trips to Salem, Kentucky. Um, But everything went well. Um, The morning of the procedure, before Dr. Barnes came in, like I said, I got up. I shared. uh, I was ready to go home. I was ready to hit the road. And... um, it i didn't have a lot of pain for the first three days just like he said um i embraced the diet i i felt that it was a time that i could like reboot and uh, think about how much i was eating uh how often i was eating because most of the time i'm not a breakfast eater uh mm-hmm. so i would skip breakfast and if i was working and busy i would not eat lunch mm-hmm. so in the evenings you know to uh, the comfort food that's what i'm going to go for and uh it just it just makes all the sense in the world all of my symptoms i can trace back to having a large hiatal hernia and the acid reflux uh so just to give a visual if you have a large hiatal hernia like when i was on the road my favorite meal or comfort meal was a uh, chick-fil-a Hot and spicy uh, chicken combo with pepper jack cheese, <laughs> waffle fries, and uh, ranch dressing for the dip. That's my all-time favorite meal. And if you think about that, you know I told you before that I had heartburn, and uh, I mean I'm sorry, I told you I had uh, chest pain. Right. So if you think about the volume of food that's in that one combo meal. And Dr. Barnes told me that all of that food was in my chest that could have been causing the the chest pain or the shortness of breath. Um, I, I think now um, the implications, if I had not had this procedure down the road, what it could have meant for my health. Right. So I'm very, very thankful to Dr. Barnes.
1: Wonderful. Gosh. That- it's, it's so think about, you don't most people just eat and don't think about what the effects of the food would be um, in your stomach. So um, that made a very clear picture to me uh, when you were explaining that. So thank you for sharing that. And your favorite meal. Is it still your favorite meal?
2: <laughs> I haven't had it. So, you know, after this procedure, this is the best time to sort of uh, restructure your eating. I don't want to go back to eating large portions. You know, Dr. Barnes, the first week you consume, uh, he asked you to consume one half cup and consume that over 20 minutes. Well, I eat very, very fast. I eat very fast. But I did notice even in the last few weeks, you know, I'm up to a cup of food at a time. And I could probably go beyond that now because I'm eight weeks post But if you let your brain catch up with your eating, you don't want really any more food. If you would just stick to that, if you stick to the cup and just think about it, I I will do anything to prevent having acid reflux again.
1: So since you've had your procedure, what, eight weeks ago, have you had any um, acid reflux um, symptoms since then?
2: No, I have not had any acid reflux. I have not had any heartburn. Uh, I haven't had any shortness of breath. I have not had any chest pain. I can take a deep breath, and the green smoothie that I love to drink, it does not come back up. So um, I've had a really good result from it. Wonderful. So, so you
1: went from Chick-fil-A to to green smoothies yeah. since sort of difference. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, We do have a couple of questions. I just want to make sure we can get through them today on this um, talk. Uh, Someone's asking how they can find an experienced TIF surgeon in their area. So I can answer that question for you. Uh, we do have a website called GERDhelp.com, and on that website, there's a physician finder. You just put in your zip code, or you can search by state, and you'll be able to find a physician in your area. Um, and I know a lot of people travel to you, Dr. Barnes, from from all, all over the place, even outside. So, uh, Dr. Barnes is in Kentucky, Paducah, Kentucky, right? Is that right?
3: Near there, near Paducah, New- Salem, Kentucky, which Salem. is a suburb of Paducah
1: there you go okay so <laughs> I've been out there I have been out mm-hmm. there I know Not yeah I know. You. yeah um, okay so just a couple more questions just to make sure we answer them uh, let's see someone was asking how long does
3: the TIF procedure work well I can tell you that I've done Nissans since 1975 and uh since I've become here in 82, I've all the Nissans that I've done, I've followed them. And believe me, those Nissans, which were done correctly, don't all last forever. And there's usually there's a plethora of late complications you can get from a Nissan fun application. And I've been doing the TIFF since 2008, and I still see those local patients that I've done you know, they come back for other issues and I, I might even have to re scope them for some reason or another and the TIFF is still intact. As a matter of fact, I endoscoped a lady today that had one back about two thousand and ten and hers is still intact and she's not having any symptoms of reflux. So um my personal opinion is the long-term outlook after the studies show that after a year two things after six months that it's intact, it stays so far three years, five years and they haven't published anything greater than that. But I personally see them all the way out and uh, I think it's a better because of the way the sutures are placed through and through the esophagus and the stomach that there's a tissue reaction that happens that's different than the other uh, sutures. So, that as people get older, it doesn't just fall down and tissues fail, this stays together and that angle of his stays together. So I think it right now my own, I haven't seen any failures f- from that related to the TIF itself. Any failures I see are related to the diaphragm, the diaphragm, either a tear or a change or a lifting issue, but uh, the TIF itself is extremely robust and uh, I don't see any long-term issues related to that. Fantastic, thank you.
1: Next question. Um, so there's a little bit of explanation, but the the gist of the question is: Does TIF work for swallowing issues? They're saying they've been diagnosed with acid reflux and GERD for ten years or ten years ago. Recently, I've been having issues swallowing, where food actually gets stuck in my throat. It had gotten so bad I had to have an endoscopy and balloon dilation stretch because my esophagus had narrowed. That was back in May. I have to go back for another stretch on August 31st. Does TIF work
3: for swallowing issues? The TIF will stop the reflux. If the the dysphagia, what she's describing, is from the reflux, which typically it is, because if you look back at that pic... I'm going to go over to the picture for just a minute. If you look at this chronic inflammation here, this chronic... Inflammation, you can get ulcers, you can get edema, and as it heals, some things happen as it heals, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower, and you can get a stricture right there where there's, the food itself won't go down in there, and that has to be dilated. That means that esophagus is sick. Now when you f- fix the hernia that stops the reflux, eventually when that heals, it might have to be dilated one, two more times, but it should get better eventually. Unless they've done it so long that they've injured the nerves and the myenteric plexus that causes them to have achalasia. Then an entire different subject happens. And that happens because it's going up and down against this diaphragm and it's beating that mucosa and that muscle. Every time it does that, And that can damage the function of that esophagus, and then the TIF itself won't for that for that problem, achalasia. The TIF can't help you. You have to have that has to be done well before you develop that problem, and it can prevent it. So, if she's having dysphagia, that needs to be carefully delineated to make sure she doesn't have Barrett's esophagus, that she doesn't have cancer of the esophagus. And after those two things are ruled out, then she needs to have a benign stricture, needs to be dilated, and she needs to be worked up for repair because that means she's refluxing severe enough that she's going to have permanent problems and permanent issues related to that esophagus. It's a significant, severe problem, and people that have that issue really need to find somebody to take care of it. And the difference between a Nissen and a Tiff is that the doctor doing the Tiff, his reflux, his his procedure is gonna be essentially the same as mine, because it's an instrument, it's a tool that goes in there and repairs the thing. Whereas a Nissen, dependent upon the surgical expertise of the surgeons, some of them are really excellent, some of them not so good, just like anybody else, there's a bar curve, but with the TIF, they're all the same, because it's a tool, it's reproducible, everybody that does it, does it exactly the same. And so the results are exactly the same. So my suggestion to that girl is to find a doctor that does the TIF, go to him, have him work it up and have him take care of it. And she'll be very, 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 very happy before she develops any of the other problems. Fantastic, thank you.
1: Um, one last question uh, before we, we, close, we close out for the evening. Uh, we have a patient that's on here and is asking um, if, is there an age range for having the TIF procedure? She's 84, um, so she's wondering would she, would she qualify for the TIF procedure
3: at that age? The oldest patient that I've done is 92. The 92 year old was, was the family begged me to do her because she, couldn't, she was bedridden, she couldn't eat, she had lost weight, she, she, her, she was refluxing so much that she had sores around her mouth. And they begged me to do it. And I thought, you know, here's 92 years old. So I went ahead and did it. Well, three months later, that 92 year old was driving herself to Walmart and pushing a cart, not driving a cart, pushing a cart because she could eat. And she she lived seven more years happy. She did not. It was the last year of her life before she was bedridden again. And she thanked me and her family thanked me. As a matter of fact, I think her daughter and her daughter's uh, husband, both of them had decided to have the TIF. She did so well. And um, so 84 depends on how you are. If you're a healthy 84-year-old person, it will definitely help you. And if it's just the TIF that you're going to have, not the laparoscopic procedure where the TIF itself is, is so benign, the risk of the TIF are less than a colonoscopy. Now, if you're 85 years old, if you'd go through a colonoscopy, you can go through a TIF, period. Fantastic. Thank you very much.
1: There are quite a few more questions on. Um, Thank you for asking them. What we'll do is after we're done, we'll uh, have our chief medical officer help answer any of the questions that are on there. So if we missed it, we're sorry. We just want to make sure that um, we get everybody on um, and get to everybody gets to tell their story. Um, Dr. Barnes, um, we can't thank you enough for all of your expert advice and and your uh, your descriptions um, and everything you talked about uh, with GERD and the TIF procedure. And thank you for taking the time to be on here. Um, And Savannah and Kim as well, we can't thank you guys enough. Um, Is there any last um, comments or anything that you wanna share um, with our viewers that are on Facebook tonight watching um, Dr. Barnes, I'll let you go first, if there's any last comments you'd like to share.
3: I have a hundred things I'd like to share. I'm very <laughs> enthusiastic about the procedure because it really changes people's lives. I mean, I've had so many people that have just immediately after the surgery felt better. They slept all night or they did they, 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 many different things, life-changing. Savannah's not talking about how she was before she had the surgery. Now she's gone to college, she's got a job, she's got a future, got a boyfriend. <laughs> so she's she's doing her life has really changed, and I see that a lot. People's life change, and I, I could talk for an hour on that. But uh, the one thing I wanted to say is I want you to tell your chief medical officer I said hello. I haven't seen him in a long time. He I needs will. to see me. Okay,
1: <laughs> thank you. I will thank you, Dr. Barnes. Uh, and Savannah, how about you? Any last comments or anything you want to add?
4: Well, like Dr. Barnes said, it has changed my life. I've been riding horses and I'm on the lake tubing every weekend and jet skiing. I haven't gone ziplining yet, but <laughs> I'm doing all the things I wanted to do when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: fantastic. Thank you for being on here uh, and sharing all of that. And for Kim, how about you? Any last comments or anything that you want everybody on here to know or or any advice that you have for patients suffering from
2: Um. I just advise anybody that has heartburn reflux to uh, see a gastroenterologist or a surgeon and have something done about it. Um, This is a very minimal invasive procedure, especially if you do not have a large hiatal hernia. So um, take care of it. Do not keep putting it off and chancing having uh, complications such as, Dr. Barnes says, esophageal cancer or anything like that. Wonderful.
1: Well, again, everybody on Facebook, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. As I mentioned, if you need any more information about the TIF procedure or or GERD treatment options, you can go to GERDhelp.com. We also have our Facebook page here and do our TIF talks every Tuesday. So if you uh, missed this one or want to get on the next one, it's on every Tuesday in the evening around 5 p.m., uh, and again, thank you everybody for being on here. We really appreciate it and everybody stay safe and we'll catch you next time. Thank you very much. Have a great evening.
0: If you are suffering from chronic acid reflux and want more information, please visit gerdhelp.com or download our GERD help mobile app. Thanks for tuning into another episode of TIFF talk. Leave your questions and comments on our social media at GERD help. Live well, GERD free.